Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Is everybody online doing all right? Yeah, all right. Everybody's online doing all right. It's good to have you guys this morning. Uh, Before we dive into a series that, man, I'm excited to get started in today, uh, I wanted to uh, encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, one of the things that probably uh, when somebody visits a church and they, they come, they visit for different reasons, but then they wonder, man, if I wanted to get connected, man, what's the easiest way to get connected? And uh, for us, one of the easiest ways is once a month, we do a thing called Intro to City Walk. And Intro to City Walk is going to happen next Sunday after church. Uh, we provide lunch, we provide child care, and we take about 45 minutes to an hour and we explain a little bit more about why, you know, what we believe, what we value as a church, a little bit more about the history, and, and really try to use that time to answer people's questions and just help them get connected in any way that would be helpful to them. And so uh, next week is when Intro to City Walk happens in the month of February. And so if you're new, maybe today's your first Sunday, or maybe you've been coming for a little while, maybe you're watching online because you're sick today, and you, man, want to get connected and haven't taken a step, you can go right into our app, uh, and you can click on Sunday, and then right in the bulletin, you can sign up, or you can sign up on our website under Next Steps. And so uh, that helps us know how much child care and how much food to have for next week. And so uh, get signed up. It's a, it's early in the new year, and it's a really good time to start getting connected uh, if you're new to CityWalk. One of the things in the new year, and maybe you do the same thing, one of the things I do at the beginning of the year is I usually try to put together a list of books I want to read in the new year. And so I'll, I'll sit down, and I usually have some different people that I follow that, that usually will put out a, a list of books that they want to read. And so I just kind of look through different people's lists, and I kind of, throughout the year, if, if somebody says, hey, you need to read this, or have you read this, I, I kind of put it on a list, and then I put that list together for the new year, kind of November, December, and, and uh, try to, if, if possible, try to make that list a little bit Give, give some variety. So there's some biographies, there's some theology, there's some uh, maybe even some fiction. And I, I just try to make it so I'm not reading only in one area. And two of my favorite books that I've read in the last few months uh, are, and I think we'll have them up on the screen. Uh, there's a book called Seal of Honor, and it's about Michael Murphy. He's one of the guys in the, the movie Lone Survivor. He was the guy that led that group uh, into battle in Afghanistan and his story. And so I'm, I'm actually listening to this one, and, and it's been a great book. And then another book that I really, really enjoyed that was honestly pretty raw, but, but this book, Will, and it's basically Will Smith's story all from when he was born until where he is right now. And, and it's been a great book. And one of the reasons I love these types of books 
is I, I lean into books that are about real people. And, and, and there's all different types. And maybe you're a, a person that likes to read books that kind of are, are, you know, here's seven principles on this idea, or maybe you like to read in some other areas. But for me, the books I lean into most and I seem to get the most out of are books about real people's stories. And these two books are, are, are those types of books that they tell the story of a real person. They, they tell the person's highs, their lows, their victories, the things they struggled with, their failures, their defeats, their, you know, the things that went really well. And, and you can see how they reacted to different things. And there's a lot to learn. I'm probably never going to be, not probably, I'm never going to be a Navy SEAL. And nobody's knocking at my door to sign me to be a rapper and a movie star anytime soon. So I'm probably not going to be like Will Smith and I'm not going to be like Michael Murphy. But there's a lot that I can learn from a Navy SEAL and a lot I can learn and apply to my life from, from Will Smith and some of the things he's gone through. And maybe you resonate with books like that as well. But, but today in, in what we're going to look at, we're going to look at something that's similar. And here's what I mean. The Old Testament is a group of over 30 different books. And, and a lot of times, if you're new to church, or maybe even if you grew up in church, when, when you think of the Bible, you think of it as one big book. But it's really not one big, big book. It's a collection of many small books. And the Old Testament is a collection of many small books, 39 of them, and in the Old Testament, a lot of those books are about real historical figures. It tells the story of their life. It tells the story of their struggles. It tells the story of the courageous things they did, the failures they had. And, and it, it walks us through how God worked in their life and used them. And it affected themselves, their families, and in some cases, entire nations. And today we're going to look at a guy that's in the Old Testament that we learn a lot from his story, and his name is Joshua. Joshua was a guy that he was kind of, had a tough kind of upbringing, and here's what I mean. He was born into slavery, uh, he, so he understood what you know, the humiliation of being a slave was. He was a guy that understood what it was like to be one of the few voices in his entire nation that wanted to do the right thing, and his entire nation rejected his ideas and wanted to go a different way. He understood what that was like. He understood what it was like to follow someone so closely and then see that person go off and, and, and to pass away and have to deal with the loss of, of a mentor and somebody that was so dear to him. Joshua understood what it was like to feel uncertainty and insecurity as he was given a role that he never asked for, but a role that God wanted him to have and that he was God's man for. And, and Joshua understood all those and many more emotions that you and I deal with. 
Many of us here today, maybe you're watching online, you, maybe even in the last few weeks and months since the new year started, maybe you've dealt with some humiliation. Maybe you understand what it's like to stand for what's right and no one else want to stand with you. Maybe you know what it's like to be insecure stepping into a, a situation or a role or a job or a responsibility that you didn't ask for. You don't really know what to do with, but you know you're supposed to do something with it. And Joshua, he dealt with all of that. And whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're new to this whole faith thing, maybe you're not even new to it, maybe you're still investigating. Every single one of us can lean into the story of Joshua, a real historical figure, and we can learn a lot from his example and the things that he went through. Which is why over the next four or five weeks, we're going to kind of lean into his story. And his story, as I already mentioned this to you, it starts kind of bleak. Joshua was born into slavery. His nation had been enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years before he was even born. And so he was born into slavery. His dad only knew slavery. His grandpa only knew slavery. Like everybody he could remember in the family tree... It was all about slavery. Nobody knew what it was like to be free because they had been enslaved for hundreds of years. And then as a young man, this guy Joshua watched this this guy named Moses go to Pharaoh and, and be used by God to help this nation that had been enslaved forever gain freedom. And, and Joshua was a young man as he, as he watched Moses deliver the nation that he loved and was a part of out of slavery after hundreds of years. And then what happened with Joshua is Moses, this guy that, that had delivered the nation, had been used by God to do something that was so incredible and had been prayed for and hoped for for so many years, Moses asked Joshua to be his assistant. And so now Joshua, for the next several decades, was the assistant of Moses. He was his right-hand man as he led this nation of Israel to what had been told to Joshua all growing up is there's a promised land that God's going to provide for you. And, And he had heard about this promised land probably since he was a little kid. And now this Moses guy was to lead this nation that had been enslaved for hundreds of years to this promised land that God had promised hundreds of years earlier, and he was Moses' right-hand man. And so they left Egypt. I can't imagine what that day must have been like. Imagine being enslaved for hundreds of years, and now it's finally the day that, man, you, you pick up all your stuff, and it's time to go. And so they, they're on their way to this promised land, and it, it should have taken about 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land. Uh, I think we have a map of, of a little bit of, and you can see it a little bit. So they, they were up in this area, land of Goshen area, and it should have taken them, you see the kind of the red dots, it should have taken them about 11 days to get from Egypt where they were enslaved to this promised land where they were going to to live and it was going to be their nation's land. 11 days. But because of the sin of the nation, what should have taken 11 days took 40 years. 
If you're a type A personality in this house or watching online, that bugs you just to think about. That's something that should have taken 11 days. Man, if it took 40 days, that would have bugged you. It took 40 years. And at the end of this 40 years, as they had been literally wandering in the wilderness aimlessly for 40 years because of the sin of their nation, at the end of this 40 years, now Moses is coming to the end of his life. He has led the nation of Israel right up to the brink of the promised land. God has told Moses that he's not going to be able to enter the promised land with the nation, but he shows Moses the promised land from the top of a mountain. And then Moses has one concern that he shares with God as Moses is about to pass away and he's going to leave this nation that he's led for so many years. He has a concern. And here's what Moses said to God in Numbers chapter 27. It says this, So Moses appealed to the Lord. May the Lord, the Lord, the God who gives breath to all, appoint a man over the community. So when you think of community, you think small. This was up, could have been two million or more people, at least a million, maybe over two million. So we're not talking like a, a small group. We're talking a lot of people. And, and it says this in verse 17, who will go out before them and come back in before them who will bring them out and bring them in so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses had led this nation for 40 years. He loved these people, and now he knew his time was about to be over, and he didn't want to leave this nation without a shepherd, without someone to lead. And so God says this in verse 18, The Lord replied to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. This idea of laying your, it's not like lay your hands on him, like duke it out with him. It's like lay your hands on him. And this was a, a way to show the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And it says this, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, had him stand before the priest Eleazar and the entire community. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had spoken through Moses. And it wasn't long after this commissioning where the transfer of leadership went from Moses to Joshua that Moses passed away and it got real, real quick for Joshua. In fact, the very first phrase in the book of Joshua is this. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. So, hey, buddy, I, I know you've, you've been handed this leadership mantle. You don't even really know what it all means and, and all that's going to happen yet. But now Moses has gone off the scene and God comes to to, to Joshua, and he says, hey, buddy, Moses, my servant, he's gone. Now, now it's your turn. You're going to prepare the people to do something they've been hearing about for hundreds of years. You're going to prepare the people to go and, and take the land that I am giving to them. See, 
literally for hundreds of years, Joshua had heard about this land. It, it probably was like one of those things that you know is out there, but it's never going to happen. He had heard about this land for hundreds of years and how God had promised Abraham this. But yet, man, it, it had been so long, and was it ever really going to happen? But now not only was it real, but he was the one to lead the nation to it. Verse 3 says this, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. See, God makes clear, he says, this land is yours I've given it to you. I've promised it to this nation for hundreds of years, but you have to go take it. He says, the soul of your foot, I'm going to give it to you, but you have to go take it. Throughout scripture, this seems to be the way that that God works. He, He gives good things to his kids, but they have to believe him that they are good and they have to do what he says. They have to be obedient. He doesn't force it on them. And so he tells Joshua, hey, Joshua, the land, it has your name on it. I've already taken care of all the details, but you must trust me. You've got to go take it. And then he lays out a few more specifics for Joshua. A lot of times I think even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, we, we, and we talked about this a little bit last week, how important prayer is and how important it is to, to really make prayer a priority when we're dealing with things. But there's also a point that as we are praying and God lays something on our heart and he gives us an open door that he expects us to really believe him and go do it, go take it. And that's what he's telling Joshua. It's there, man. It's, it's all yours. But you got to lead these people over to take it. And he, and he, he kind of even, even tells them like the boundaries of it. He says, your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River. All the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. There's a map uh, that you can see. And this is, this is the land that God promised them. This is after it had been broken down, there's 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And so every tribe got a certain section of land. And so this is the land that God said, hey, I've given you this. It has your name on it. All the details are taken care of, but you have to go take it. Go get it. And it says this, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Joshua, the special relationship that I had with Moses that you watched for years, I'm going to have that same relationship with you. And he says this to him. He says, hey, buddy, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to be with you as you obey me. And as you think about Joshua, and you can even think about your own life, When you know that God is with you, when you know that God is going to give you the strength to do something, but then he says, imagine being Joshua, I'm going to give it to you, it's already yours, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to do all those things, and I'm actually also going to walk with you through the whole thing. I'm going to be with you. See, I have a little girl, and you can relate with this, if you have little kids, or if you're a grandparent, 
There's something about with a little kid, they feel incredible comfort if you just are with them. And so for us, like for instance, Kate, we have an eight-year-old daughter, and, and if you're like us, you have a bedtime ritual probably with your kids or with your grandkids. So we have a bedtime ritual every single night. We do the exact same thing. And for us, as we get close to bedtime, and Kate, she's always pushing that limit, like, oh, can I watch a little more? You know, you know how it is. Uh, so she's pushing that limit, but then when she realizes that, okay, I have to go to bed, it's coming about that time, she'll say something like this to me every single night. She'll say, Dad, are you going to lay next to my bed tonight? It's like, baby, I lay next to your bed every night. Because you watched a monk about a month ago that still scares you. Shame on us for letting you watch that. But yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay next to you. And so then a few minutes later, she'll say something like this. Say, hey, Dad, come, come on with me. We're gonna, I'm going to go brush my teeth. So we have a little ritual. Brush teeth, go to the bathroom. And she, Dad, come with me. Well, babe, you can go brush your teeth. We're, we're literally like... 30 feet away from you. No, no, no. Come with me. Okay, we'll go with you. And so we go and I, I do the ritual too. I brush my teeth at that time. And, and then we go and we, we tuck her into bed and we, we have four things we pray for every single night. And if we don't pray for him, she's going to be like, dad, did you forget? We pray for Ava, a little girl that got hurt that we, we don't know, but we know through Instagram that we're, we pray for. We pray for Bella, a little girl that we support, our compassion child that we support. Uh, we pray for people in Afghanistan, and we pray for Miley Cyrus. Those are our four people. We pray that Miley Cyrus, every single night, that, that she comes to know Jesus. And if we don't do that, Kate's going to be, hey, Dad, did you forget Miley Cyrus tonight? Nope. I, we got her. I got her in there. And so every single night, same thing. And then, then what I do is there's a little kind of cushion next to her bed. I kind of pull that thing out and I lay down on it for five or 10 minutes and until she falls asleep. And then, you know, I go and, and go, go into my bed and I fall asleep. And, and that's just kind of our ritual. And for Kate, she could do all of that on her own. She doesn't need my help to brush her teeth. She doesn't need my help to go to the bathroom. She doesn't need my help to pray. She doesn't need my help to cover up and, and get tucked in. But it, it comforts her to know that her dad is walking with her through all of it. And you've experienced very similar things with your kids or maybe even in your own life. And God was saying to Joshua, hey, Joshua, I have called you to leave this nation. I'm giving you this land and I will stand and walk with you the whole way. But then he says this, but you must, in the very next phrase, in verse 6, be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you this land. The details are taken care of. But you, as the leader of this nation, you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. And the strength and courage that Joshua was to have, that confidence he was supposed to have, was going to be because he knew that God was with him. And because he could lean into the fact that God had called him to this and that God was with him, he could be strong. And courageous. And, and God says, be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to the, their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Joshua, you are going to take this land. You are going to distribute this land to, to 12 tribes. You've got a big task ahead of you. Be strong and courageous. 
But then God says something that's very interesting and even surprising. After he's just told Joshua, hey, Joshua, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. You're about to take this land that that your ancestors never could take. It's been something you've heard about for 400 years. You're going to be the guy to do it. When you do that and you distribute it and basically set up a nation, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. But then he says this, but above all, and what what he's saying is there's something even more important than the task of taking and distributing this land. I've just given you a huge task that you're going to do, but even more important than that, above all of that, he says this, be strong and courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. See, Moses, before he died, he had written part of the Old Testament. He had written portions, probably Genesis or Deuteronomy. And so they had a very small portion of what you have. If you have a Bible, they had a very small portion of it. And Joshua would have had access to this. And what God's saying to Joshua is, above everything else... I want you to be strong and courageous so that you can observe carefully what Moses wrote. He says this, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. Joshua, your success, the success of your life, the success of your leadership will be determined by your response to God's word. In fact, If you will trust God and you will obey his word, he will give you the strength. And in fact, that might be the task you're going to need to be strong and courageous in most is to observe and obey everything God says. That's going to be the toughest task, even tougher than, than taking the land and distributing it. Above all, the most important thing, Joshua is for you to observe and take seriously what God says and to trust it and obey it. He goes on in verse 8 and he says this, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Joshua, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it. You are to meditate on it day and night. Joshua, not only do I want you to talk about it, not only do I want you to discuss it, I want you to think about it. I want you to meditate on it so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Joshua, not only do I want you to to read it and talk about it and think about it, but I want you to carefully obey it and live it out. And then God says this, when you do that, for then... You will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Joshua, you will succeed at the task I've given you. Your life will matter. The purpose I have given you, you will accomplish if you will be careful to meditate, think about, talk about, and obey my instructions through your servant Moses. And then God reminds him in verse 9, he says this, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. You're like, God, are you trying to get a point across? Like you, you say be strong and courageous a lot. He says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, this task is daunting. And honestly, it's going to take you the rest of your life to accomplish it. It's going to take you from now to the rest of your life. And he's about 80 years old now. I mean, he's not like a young guy. It's going to take you the rest of your life to accomplish this task that I've given you, to accomplish this calling that I've given you. But here's what I want you to know, Joshua. You're going to have times of discouragement. You're going to have times of fear. You're going to have times where you're not sure what to do. But man, I'm with you all the way. I'm going to be with you. Don't get discouraged. So Joshua, after he hears this from God, what he does is he calls all of the officers of the army together. And he tells them, he says, all right, get ready. We're going to take the land that God has given us in three days. He gets them all together. Hey, make, go spread the word that we're about to obey God. We're about to step out in three days and we're going to take the land that God has given us, that he's promised us. And Joshua, he begins to gather his army. He begins to prepare them for what's ahead. And here's what their response is. It says this in verse 16. Everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. These, these men that, that he had gathered, this army that had followed Moses for so long, when they saw that the Spirit of God was in Joshua and that Joshua was obeying what God said, he was taking bold steps. They said, we're with you. We're going to follow you. We're going to listen to you. We're going to do what you tell us to do because we can see that God is with you. We can see that you're God's man for this job. And, and oh, by the way, if anybody starts to mess with you or kind of disobey you, we got them too. We'll, we'll take care of those guys. So don't even sweat that. You just let us know. And, and those people will disappear and we'll tell God they died. And it will take care of it all. We, we've got you. And then they say the same thing God said, but Joshua, we need you to be strong and courageous. You got to be strong and you got to be courageous. And, and as you look back at Joshua's life, as you contemplate kind of like I am, you contemplate this guy named Joshua that if you grew up in church, you heard about him. And, and if you're maybe new to church, maybe this is the first time you've heard about Joshua. But as you think about Joshua's life, as you think about his call to leadership, and you try to put yourself maybe in his shoes and reflect a little bit on maybe some of the things he was feeling, you think about your own life. And probably most likely, no one here or watching online is going to be asked to lead two million people to set up a nation in the Middle East. You're, you're probably, that's probably not, you're not going to get that email today. God's not going to text you and say, hey, by the way, I know you've been kind of waiting for me to tell you what to do. I've got a couple million people I need you to lead into a place and I need you to set up a nation. No, God's probably never going to tell us to do that. I'm, I'm pretty sure on that one. But, but whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're, you're new to faith, here's what I do know. God's going to call you to do something. 
And the question that I would have for you, the same question I'm asking myself, is, is a question that, that you may have dismissed. And maybe when I say it, you'll dismiss it right away. But I want to encourage you to lean in. And here's the question. What am I called to do? You know, okay, I'm not called to lead two million people into a new nation and set up a nation. Like, yeah, I'm not called to fight a war like, like Joshua would and kind of lead an army. I'm not going to be called to that. But what am I called to do? And sometimes we, we dismiss this type of question and the idea of calling because of our stage in life. And here's what I mean. Man, man I'm a young adult just trying to figure out life. That calling stuff, that's in my future. Or maybe it's on the other side. Hey, I'm coming to the end of my, man, I'm in maybe the last 10, 20 years of my life. And that, that whole idea of calling and doing that, that's something in my past. Or maybe you're, you're a young mom and you got kids that are just running around the house all the time. And you're like, man, I, I'm just trying to survive from day to day. I don't, what are you talking about? Calling. No, no matter what stage you're in or even how you react to that question, if you're watching online, I would, I would kind of push back and I would encourage you to really think about that question. And really think about, man, what are you called to do in your life? Maybe in this season you are called to step into leading. Maybe there's something ahead of you or something you feel that, that God's put in your path and there's a, a big step that you need to take. Maybe it's not leading a nation of two million people, but you feel like, man, okay, God has put something in front of me and I, I do feel led to take a step, a scary step, but I feel led to do that. Maybe for you in this season, you are called to preparation. See, Joshua, he's 80 years old, but man, for the first 70-some years of his life, he was doing a lot of assisting and preparing. And all the things that he had done up to that point had prepared him for what God had for him, his calling. And so maybe for you in this season, you're called to prepare. Maybe for you, you're called to follow well. Like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm called to follow someone well. And be an encouragement to someone. Maybe you're called to be faithful on the small things. Maybe it's a season where it's like, man, there's nothing too big or crazy in my life. There's just a lot of little things. And, and, and I'm tempted to kind of slough off on some of that. But maybe what God's calling you to do is, hey, would you just, right in this season, would you be faithful in the small things? That's what I've called you to do. See, no matter what your calling is in this season... The success of, of your calling, the success, your success will be determined just the same way it'll be determined in my life. And it's, it will be determined by how you answer the same questions Joshua had to answer. So whether you're called to step out and lead, whether you're called to prepare, whether you're called to follow well, whether you're called to be faithful in the small things or something else, the, the success of your life, the success of your calling will be determined by the answers to the same questions Joshua had to answer. And the, the, the questions are simply this. Do I believe God? Joshua, God, God told him, I'm with you. I, I'm for you. I'm with you. I, 
do you believe God? Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God's way is best? Do you believe that, that God is with you and that God has purpose for your life? The, the first question that we would have to answer that will determine the success of our life as far as the things that matter is, hey, do I believe God? Do I believe that God's way is best? The second question is a, a question that, that Joshua had to grapple with is, Will I spend time in and obey his word? Do I believe God? But then Joshua, God said to him, hey, hey, buddy, you need to think about, you need to read, you need to talk about, you need to meditate on my word. You need to allow it to direct you. You need to make it kind of the thing that helps you go down the path and stay focused and not get distracted. And here's the thing, and we, we know this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we all know this. All of us listen to somebody. We, we all listen to somebody. And honestly, we all meditate on something. We, we might meditate on greed. We might meditate on lust. We might meditate on selfishness. We might meditate on fear. We might meditate on, on insecurity. But we all fill our mind with thinking about something. And what God said to Joshua and what he would say to us is, hey, I want that to be my word. I want you to spend time in and I want you to obey my word. I want it to be at the front of your mind. I want it to be what directs your path. Not fear, not greed, not lust, not selfishness, and not you fill in the blank with what maybe you seem to meditate on when you aren't walking with God. He says, I want you to listen and obey my word because I'm good. I'm good and my word is good. But then the third question is this, and Joshua had to decide this. Am I willing to move out of my comfort zone into God's purpose for my life? It's a big question. It's a question that, that a lot of people answer no to and they, they, they never answer yes to this. They, they never, they, they, they might kind of believe God. They might even spend a little time in God's word and try to fill their mind with some of that. But, but when it comes to actually stepping out of their comfort zone into maybe what God would have for them, a lot of people answer this one, no. And, and maybe this is a big step. Maybe it's a Joshua step. Maybe it's like, hey, uh, you have a huge step to take and, and you need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. But probably it's not a big thing. Well, what I found as I've looked at my own life and I've looked at other people's lives is usually there's about three or four times in your life where God will ask you to do something monumental, like a Joshua step of faith. Just a few times in your life. It's probably not something that you're not going to be asked to do something huge like that every single year, at least most of the time. It's a couple times in your life you're going to be asked, hey, are you willing to step out big? But for most of us, Stepping out of our comfort zone, it's not a monumental thing. It's, it's a lot of the smaller things in life. It's saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient to God. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to serve my wife unselfishly when I'd rather be selfish. It's, I'm, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and, and when, when I don't feel like working hard at my job, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have integrity even when I don't feel like it, even when it would be a lot more comfortable for me to take it easy. 
I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to tell the truth when it doesn't seem convenient. When it would be easier not to tell the truth. When it would be easier to, to not speak up. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to tell the truth. Maybe, maybe for you it's, you know what, I, it would be so much easier to just not make smart financial decisions. It would be so much easier to just run up my credit cards and just kind of live my life whenever I want something, go get it and figure out how to pay for it later. That would be so easy. But I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be a good steward and a, with my finances. I'm going to use it faithfully. We, we all have to answer that question. Am I willing? And, and sometimes we, we, we're bored with the small things. Oh, uh, yeah, when God calls me to do something big, I'll get my stuff together. But, man, when he's ta- asking me to just work hard at a job I don't really like and be unselfish when I feel like being selfish and, and handle my money differently, that's kind of boring stuff. When God has a big job for me, give me a call. And God's saying, would you just be willing to move out of your comfort zone in just some of the small areas of life and be very faithful in those areas? And maybe that'll prepare you for something else. See, every one of us is called to something in this season. For Joshua, it was, man. It was lead a nation into a new land. But but what is it for you? What is it? for me? And and how are we responding to it? Imagine, imagine if Joshua, after being called to lead this nation, imagine if he would have not done it. Imagine if he would have not believed God. Imagine if he would have said, you know what? I know we have your word, God. I know your word directs us, but you know what? I think I could do it better. I think my way is best. And so I'm going to do it my way. Imagine if he was, was not willing to step out of his comfort zone. And man, it would be a lot easier just to kind of stay here in the wilderness another 40 years. I'll die and then somebody, it'll be somebody else's problem. Imagine if he wouldn't obey God. See, here's the, the thing that I think about a lot is I, I think about, I'm 45 years old and I, I think about the end a lot. And, and here's what I mean. I don't want to miss what God has for me. I don't want to miss God's best for me. And I would guess if you're honest, you don't either. But but the question is, man, what what if God is calling me to something? What if it's small? What if it's big? But what if I don't step into it? What if I decide not to do it? How is that going to affect my life and the end of my life? What if I miss the thing I was created for? What if I totally miss it? And every single one of us has to grapple with that. And and the thing is, you have a choice, as I do. God says, Joshua, I'm going to give you the land. It's all yours. I've got it. Details are done. But you got to go get it. You got to step into the land. And when the sole of your foot hits the land, it's yours. You got to go take it. So what's God calling you to do? If you're watching online, what is God calling you to do in this season? And if you say nothing, you're missing it. Because he's calling you to something. You may consider it insignificant, but it's not insignificant to God if he's calling you to do it. So the question is, what will your response be? Let's bow our heads. As we bow our heads and close our eyes and just kind of finish things up here. I want to want to talk to you. Maybe maybe you're here and you're somebody. I know many of you are you're a follower of Jesus. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, as you're, you think about maybe, maybe you've been following Jesus for a few years, maybe it's been a few decades. And as his follower, he has a purpose for you, whether you're online or you're here this morning. In fact, Ephesians tells us that God has good works that he has created you for. He has specific good works that he's created you for, just like he has specific good works that he's created me for. And so, as you think about the opportunities and the calling that God might have on your life, what's stopping you from stepping into it? See, when we, when we don't step into what God has, when we think that what God has is insignificant, we miss out. And so, what are you called to in this season? What's holding you back from stepping into it? For some, it might be, if you're honest, you might say, man, what's holding me back is some sin in my life. There's some things in my life that, man, I know are disobedient to God. These are things that I know are not right. They're not pleasing to God. And I'm, I haven't been willing to give them up. And so because I haven't been willing to give them up, I haven't been able to step into what God has for me. For some, it might be fear. It might be insecurity. It might be other people's opinions. And you've, you've felt led to stand up. you felt led to do something, but you're allowing other people's opinions and the approval of man to stop you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, and maybe that's you. Maybe you, you haven't stepped into what God has. Maybe you haven't even thought about it. Would you just take this opportunity in the quietness of this room to just tell God? Maybe it's, it's asking for forgiveness. Maybe it's confessing fear. Maybe it's confessing a, a pleasing man's spirit that you've had. And just tell God. And then just ask God, God, direct me to what you would have for me. And I will obey. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and for you, you're, you're not a follower of Jesus. And you've, you've, you're watching online, or maybe somebody invited you here, and maybe you're grappling with faith. And, and for you, the, maybe the, the biggest and most important question before you think of what God has called you to do is, we know this, that God's called you to have a relationship with Him. In fact, He went to incredible lengths by sending His Son, Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for my disobedience, for your disobedience. They put Jesus' body in a grave, and three days later, he rose from the grave, all so that God could offer you a relationship with him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here or you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast, you can right now just cry out to God in the quietness of your heart. And just, just tell God, God, I admit to you, I've disobeyed you. I've, I've done things my own way. Just tell God. And then just tell him, tell him that, man, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead and that he did that for me. And then just tell God that you, you, you want to start a relationship. Just, God, come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I want you to make me new. And he'll do it. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if this morning, if you started a relationship with Jesus or you made another decision, if you're here with us, there's a decision card right in front of you. We'd love to rejoice with you. We'd love to answer questions for you. You just fill that out and put it in the offering box on your way out and we'll, we'll connect with you this week. If you're online, you can go to citywalk.cc and you can fill out a decision form there and we'll, we'll follow up with you as well. Lord, I, I pray that as we're listening to this, Lord, that, that you would speak to us clearly. That you wouldn't allow us to walk out of here with, with just a fuzzy thinking, Lord, but that you would lay it on our heart very clearly what you have called us to do in this season. And I pray that we would be like Joshua and that we would be strong and courageous, not because of who we are or what we bring to the table, but because of who you are and the fact that you are with us, you are for us, and the victory has already been won. In Jesus' name, amen.